Hello, welcome to Off The Shelf Reviews. I kind of like Scott Pilgrim. And I'm Gary. And today we're going to review and discuss Scott Pilgrim vs. The World! Released in 2010, based on Brian Lee O'Malley's graphic novels, Scott Pilgrim, written by Michael Bacall and Edgar Wright, and directed and produced by Edgar Wright. Ian, why don't you give us the synopsis? Well, the story follows Scott Pilgrim, played by Michael Cera. He lives in Canada and has kind of just got himself into a relationship with a schoolgirl. But along comes Ramona Flowers, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. And all of a sudden, Scott's world is turned upside down, when not only is he trying to win her, but he also has to defeat her seven evil exes. So believe it or not, Edgar Wright was actually offered the chance to direct this film back in 2004. Wow. That was six years before he would eventually say yes yeah. and, and direct the film. And back in 2004, I believe only perhaps the first or second issue of the graphic novel had actually been finished at that point. He'd just done Shaun as well, He'd I only think? just done Shaun yeah. of the Dead, yeah. And uh, he, he said no, and then he went and made uh, Hot Fuzz yeah. Uh, yeah. before he eventually agreed to do Scott Pilgrim. And even when this film went into production, the finale of the Scott Pilgrim graphic novels were not even finished then. Yeah. Um, so this film, it didn't just do one novel. It literally took all of the novels that were there and then borrowed from footnotes and plans for yeah. what the story would eventually be, uh, leaving uh, the, the writers for this film to kind of make up their own ending to the actual, the actual story. Yeah. Uh, but I do remember when this film first came out and I, I, I was one of those that went, nah. Not, not actually that interested. Yeah and, yeah, and I know, but this film was, you know, purposefully marketed towards people like me. You know, someone who loves comic books, somebody who loves video games, and somebody who likes Edgar Wright. You know, <laughs> yeah. And I just went, nah. I didn't know whether it was because it was Michael Sarah, and I was just like, nah. Yeah. But then when I did eventually see the film, my first reaction was, meh. And I know that's almost a bit controversial because this film is beloved. You know, it really, really is. It has a very strong fandom. And it's one of those films where, you know, when somebody says to you, what's a film that you don't like that everybody does? And I'm just like, I think Scott Pilgrim, but I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Yeah, but I mean, in fairness, mate, I mean, you read comic books, but you don't read that many comic books. No. And you play video games, but you don't play many video games unless it's mainly your interest. Yeah. You know, I kind of was the same with Scott Pilgrim. You know, when the film came out, I liked the look of it, but I couldn't, didn't get the hype. You know, I still kind of don't get the hype. I've never read the comic books. And I'll be honest, I have no interest in reading the comic books now that I've already seen the film because I know how it goes. Um, the, the the video game, I mean, I, I've seen the side-scrolling beat-em-up one, which kind of looks cool, but I'm more of a Streets of Rage fan than I am a Scott Pilgrim fan. When the film did come out, I didn't go and see it in the cinema. Uh, like you said, Michael Cera, he's all right. I like him in Superbad, but for about five years, I mistook him and the fucking douchebag from uh, Social Network. <laughs> Seriously. Like, I had arguments with Andy, like, no, it's this guy. He's like, no, it's a completely different dude, dude. I'm like, really? One's Lex Luthor and the other one's Scott Pilgrim, but they kind of look like the same dude. Um, I, I love Edgar Wright, but, you know, Shaun of Dead was really good. Hot Fuzz was great. Um, at the World's End... 
Yeah. It, it it grows on me after a while. I still haven't seen Baby Driver. That's oh, really good. I know. I've heard, and I and I'm sure Edgar Wright is really good at what he does. But you know, as individuals, you pick and choose kind of like what it is you like, not just the director. And so, when I finally got, uh, when I finally went out of my way and bought Scott Pilgrim on DVD, I took it home. I sat down and watched it. You know, I was, I knew what was going to happen. I like, I knew that there was going to be lots of game references. So you know, I, I love the little nods that the film does. You know, and you've really got to kind of pay attention because it's all live action. You know, it's really, really well done, but there's little things thrown in the background. Like like, like the title screen at the beginning with Universal coming up with its 8-bit music. Yeah. Now, apparently, the uh, that graphic was done by Edgar Wright's brother. Oh, right. And that was only the first draft of, of what, what they wanted, but test audiences received that so well, they were like, ah, it's finished then. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, even Edgar Wright, actually, he sent, uh, he sent a letter to Nintendo just saying, look, uh, The Legend of Zelda, uh, A Link to the Past, yeah. like, the music in that is like the nursery rhyme of my generation. So can we please borrow the music and sounds from some of these uh, Nintendo games? Nintendo, like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Just... Uh, so yeah, you will see lots of uh, homages to, to, to the music or sound effects or, or visuals within the film straight out of those classics and and for me like this is like the fifth time i've watched scott pilgrim and i still notice things this time around that i never noticed the other four times before so if it's your first time watching scott pilgrim make sure that you set to watch it a second or third time unless you fucking hated it because you'll see a lot of cool things in the background so we start you know not so long ago in canada and you've got scott pilgrim um i have to admit for about 75% of this movie, he's a dick. Oh, absolutely. He's no. a fucking <laughs> asshole. Yeah, he's self-centered. Yep. You know, he's selfish. Yep. And, uh, and he's also dating a high schooler. Yeah. Now, like, I mean, it's America. She's 17. So, like, I don't know how that works there. He's 22. So, like, she's still in school. She's even a Catholic school girl with the, the outfit and everything like that. And you're just like... Why, Scott? What is it about this girl? Because she kind of feels like she's infatuated with him. You know, she's really impressed. She thinks he's cool. He's bigger. He's grown up and all this kind of stuff. And he's in a band. And he's in a band, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but he just doesn't seem to notice that. He just kind of likes her there. Like the drummer, Kim, played by Alison Pill. I fucking love her in this movie because just her, 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 her dry wit... You know, her comments that she throws every now and again. And the fact that she used to date Scott and he just kind of broke up with her. You know, she can, she's still kind of suffering. So you, you kind of know that, you know, when Scott kind of leaves his girls, they kind of leave a bit empty handed. Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Well, thanks. I meant scum of the earth. Thanks. Now, interestingly, uh, Edgar Wright sat down with an early draft of this film and yeah. uh, presented it to uh, Quentin Tarantino, Jason Reitman and Kevin Smith. 
And the three other directors sort of gave him some some footnotes, but it was Tarantino who just said, no, 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 you need to re-edit the beginning of this movie. You need to do this, this, and this. And uh, uh, Edgar Wright was like, you know what? You're probably right. And so the, actually the beginning of this film was structured the way Tarantino actually let him... Nice. Uh, 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 ...told, well, advised him how to do it. Yeah. And it is a really good intro. You know, we, we also get the, the text popping up on the screen, yes. introducing us to each character. Uh, there's a moment when Scott goes back. I mean, he doesn't have his own place. No. He's staying... He's staying... He's staying at Kieran Culkin's place who's playing Wallace Wells. I fucking love Wallace! Oh yeah. You're totally my bitch forever. I, I try not to. I honestly, the comedy in this movie like is, is dry. And there is just a little moments with Wallace where, like, he'll wake up in the middle of the night because him and Scott share this bed. And Scott's, Scott's, like, living in this place, but it's pretty much all owned by Wallace. And Scott will wake up from a dream. And then Wallace will wake up. And then Wallace's boyfriend will wake up. And he's just like, what's going on? And you didn't bang her? Are you gay? I couldn't stop thinking about my stupid ex-girlfriend. Is that the Uma Thurman movie? Scott... Just because MV's back in town doesn't make it not over. Double negative. It's tricky. Yeah, there is like I, like I'm a I'm a I'm a fussy fucker. You know, <laughs> when it comes <laughs> to comedy are. films. Um, but I do like uh, Edgar Wright's brand of comedy, and I wasn't expecting this film to quite be as funny as it is. But it really is a a, a good comedy. But it's also it wants to it wants to be a romance movie but i think the romance plot in this film sucks but yeah. what i do like about it is that it is also a musical but instead of musical dance numbers they are essentially fight scenes which we will get into <laughs> yeah. like one of the moments i love about wallace is there's this one bit where he stumbles home drunk and he's like i'm drunk and he stumbles in the bed and he and scott's talking to him and and wallace is just listening and then immediately Anna Kendrick, who's playing Scott's sister, Stacy, rings him. And she's like, what are you going to do? How are you going to do that? And he's like, how do you know? She's like, Wallace told me. And he's like, what? And he turns and Wallace is holding his phone. Like how he texts drunk. is don't know. But it, these little comedy moments I absolutely love. Like you have the Wallace's interaction with Scott and then Scott's interaction with his sister who, like, I never used to like Anna Kendrick. But if you watched our Voices review, I've kind of gotten over that now. You've got Audrey Plaza playing um, Julie. Um, I love her at the coffee shop where she starts berating him and swearing at him, but it bleeps out. And he's like, how are you doing that with your mouth? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it's the old dial-up sound, isn't it? When you connect into the internet. Uh, but apparently uh, they, they wanted to uh, reduce the, the age certificate this film was about to receive. I think it was about to receive an R rating. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so bleeping out the swear words uh, really toned it down. And according to Edgar Wright, he also omitted quite a few um, explicit moments from the graphic novel as well, just to bring that age rating down so that it would have a mass appeal. And so the film ended yeah. up with a PG-13 rating. I was thinking this for the review, like the film has a very teenage, early 20s kind of feel that even as I get older, I can always go back because, I mean, like the film doesn't really have a date. Like we just assume that it's in 2010 because that's when the film was made. But it, honestly, it could be, it, you know, like it could be set other than mobile phones. You could say, well, it was pr set pre-2000. You know, or a little bit further as mobile phones change because the, 
you know, the technology in the movie isn't really acknowledged like that where they are. The gaming references. But it's like when they say, right, okay, sex bomb Sex bomb has to go and play. They, they've got to go play their first um, gig, don't they? And Scott's already seen Ramona at this point. He's already kind of seen her in a dream. And then he see he finds out information that she works for Amazon, so he manages to get her to deliver a package to him. Um, he sees her at a party, and he starts to really, you know, he's immediately infatuated with her. He knows nothing about her, and so he starts asking everyone else at the party. Yeah, yeah. And that's really like all the information we actually even get about Ramona, other than eventually finding out about all of her exes. Yeah, but at the same time, like he's still going out with knives. His high school girlfriend, who's still infatuated with him, even though secretly he's pining for Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who, I mean, that the, the coloured hair does really suit her, I think. Like, it really does work. But after their first gig, uh, this is where Scott meets his first ex that he has to fight, uh, Matthew Patel, who just kind of smashes in through the roof and lands on the floor. And I, I've got to give the film credit. It sets itself in the real world and it tries to be as realistic as it can, but then weird shit happens and though people don't question it, they are immediately freaked out that this shit is going on. Like, how the fuck Scott can do all this kung fu, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is hyper-stylized, hyper isn't it? It's, yeah. it's, it's absolutely ludicrous um, and it makes absolutely no sense, but it's, it's the concept of it. It, it. It's what this film is. It's like, you know, instead of having these musical numbers, you know, it's, it's the big fight scenes with all of the special effects and, you know, people flying around with each other. It's absolutely crazy, but that that's what this is. Yeah. You know, in lieu of uh, of a dance number. Now, I do find it interesting that this was also Edgar Wright's first North American movie, you know, outside of London. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he he actually said to his casting uh casting team, no English people whatsoever. Only <laughs> Americans or Canadians, okay? Yeah. And and the actor playing Matthew Patel is actually of Indian descent, but yeah. he's actually born and raised in London. So he kind of managed <laughs> to sneak through here. And I will say this is this is a, an awesome way to uh, to introduce to the audience as well what to expect for the rest of the exes. Yeah. Dramatic introductions, over the top fight scenes, and I do find it interesting that that Scott Pilgrim does defeat each one of the exes in in a different way. Yes. So that it does it stops the film eventually from feeling samey or repetitive. Yeah, that's what I love about the fight sequences as well because it just, it, it, it I mean, I know you said it, the, the romance story, uh, you know, really doesn't work. And I, I kind of get it, but it also, for me, kind of works later on as, as we see more of the exes and we start to work out who Ramona is and why she's got all these people pining her. Like, you know, after the first defeat of Matthew Patel, you know, he, he, he explodes into coins. And, and Scott's like, ooh, money. Um, and he starts to pine after Ramona a little bit more. And they have their kind of first date, even though he says to Wallace, like, look, you have to leave your game to play up, place up. You know, and Wallace is just like, well, I'm going to go see my, uh, my, my person I'm stalking. You know, Lucas Lee, played by fucking Captain America. <laughs> it rolls out. And and Scott and Ramona, whose night aren't is aren't going very well, they decide that they're going to go for a walk, and they end up at this place with Wallace up by this great big castle in Toronto. 
and there is Captain America, Lucas Lee, uh, played by Chris Evans, you know, coming out and he's one of the exes. And he turns to Scott and he's just like, we're going to fight. And it, it's just, it's so corny. It's so stupid. It's so fun. You know, the fact that he's fighting, fighting Captain America one moment, but then he's fighting his stunt crew the next. <laughs> that's actually Chris Evans' real stunt, stunt doubles for his movies. It's like, that's great. That's and they great. don't even look anything like him in some of them. You know, all the heights are different. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, Scott gets his ass whooped here, yeah. and he has to use his smarts to defeat this guy who's, who's Chris Evans is playing an absolute stupid person, <laughs> yeah. but he is homaging 80s action stars to perfection here. Yes. And, uh, but he also, uh, uh, Lucas Lee is also, I mean, I also love all the name alliterations here, yeah. absolute superhero comic book styles. Um, but Lucas Lee also owns uh, and is a successful skateboarder. Yes. And so uh, he challenges Lucas to skate. <laughs> He's like, do that thing. Do that that thing. <clears throat> grind. It's called a grind. Yeah. Well, dude, can you do that grindy thingy on that thing over get there? Get my board. <laughs> guy's like, oh, I'll get my board. And he's like, well, if you can't do it, no, I can't. And then you just watch him. You know it's dangerous. You know nobody would ever do it. But there he goes. Captain America grinding down the fucking barrier. And he bails right at the end. Well, I, mean, I don't know if he bails. He was going so fast. He just, there's a mini explosion. <laughs> and you see the coins in the distance like, like confetti. <laughs> and then we start to, you know, we start to find out a little bit more from Ramona. You know, that she, each one of these people she dated at a time in her life because she was trying something new. You know, and she would, she would go from one to another. And Scott himself is dealing with some issues because he gets called up by his ex-girlfriend, Envy, played by Brie Larson. Oh, my God. Like, I know people don't like Captain Marvel. It's okay. You can be wrong. But Brie Larson, huh. Like, she looks so good in this. Yeah, like, yeah. she does. <laughs> She does, and she, but she plays this evil ex also so well against Scott, who you also kind of, you, you want to feel bad for that he's got this ex, but he's still stringing knives along. Well, yeah, that, that is, uh, you know, there's, there's an awesome sequence. We saw them earlier where they were on the, like the dance mat playing the ninja yeah. fighting game. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's a moment when the, uh, where she's like, would you like to continue? And the continues are counting down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and. For her, it's like, well, let's continue with the game. And for him, it's like, are we continuing this relationship? Yeah. So I was like, that was a nice uh, double there. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah. But of course, he does end up taking her to a record store. And uh, there's a perfectly apt song playing in the background where she's just like, I love you. Because <laughs> yeah, it floats yeah. right down and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he does eventually break up with her. And it's, it's uh, you know, the I have to say the actress playing her it was, was really fantastic in this. And I'm really surprised I've not seen her in anything since Scott Pilgrim. I know she had appeared in other stuff, but... You know, I, she was she was a real standout here. Yeah, I I I particularly liked um, Knives when, you know, she she kind of registered that you know Scott was pining after this other girl, and she thinks it's because of the color of her hair. Yeah. So you have that moment where she's talking to her bestie in a bedroom, and she's trying to do her hair, and she's gonna get her own back, and she and with that she's gonna go after young Neil, and there's a reason why they call him young Neil. It's just because he's young. Um, but Scott does end up spending the night with Ramona 
Um, and you do get this awesome shot of Mary Elizabeth Winstead in her underwear in the bed. Um, but she cock blocks him, which I thought was great. <laughs> and she's like, no, I'm not. We're not doing that tonight. And he's like, huh. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're not going to call it a one night stand because technically I didn't get any. <laughs> Yeah, but he also does get a phone call as Envy has, uh, you know, even though she, she broke up with him and has and gone off to form this very successful band, yeah. uh, they're back in town. And uh, she calls him just to tease him a little bit. Uh, but uh, but then she also invites his band as well to, 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 to open for her band. Yeah, which and of course uh, the Sex bob do agree to. Yeah, but it's, it's at this point we've already kind of had Scott have a run-in with a female ex of Ramona's who informs uh, informs Scott that there's like a league of exes that they've all got together that they're all coming to get him um, but she's not going to fight him at the moment she's going to go off and so when he get, catches up with Sex Bob-omb for their play you know he realises that Todd Ingram played by Superman Brandon Roth is Todd one of Ramona's exes and like everything that happens in this film and there's a lot of crazy shit that happens in this film this fight leads to one of my all-time favorite fucking moments in this whole entire movie because todd is a vegan and as everybody knows in the world vegans have you know magical powers they're better than everybody else and so they are ultimately completely unstoppable and so Scott is basically getting his ass handed to him over and over again up until he tries to uh, trick Superman by drinking a drink with some soya milk or, or half and half in. And so Superman sees through the ploy and goes, ha ha ha, I'm not going to do that. And he drinks the wrong thing. And then all of a sudden the vegan police fucking turn up. <laughs> and now everything that happens in the film, when Thomas Jane and Clifton Collins Jr. burst through the wall with laser fingers to remove his vegan powers... Oh my god, it's, it's so They've fun. They've even got a flip notebook, <laughs> and they're just like, you ate chicken, you ate this, this egg thing. It's like, so this is your third offence, so you've had all of your warnings, essentially, so yeah. we're taking away your powers, and we're taking, we're, you're being arrested. I love it when he goes like, they're like, on this day you ate gelato, gelato's not vegan, and on this day you ate chicken, chicken's not vegan. <laughs> just like, I was like, man, I know Superman Returns didn't do very well, but he's funny. He's yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like he gets carted off. Just, I mean, there was a joke earlier that uh, somebody says, "Oh, did you learn that in uh, Vegan Academy?" <laughs> yeah, and yeah. in the flashback that we get, the animated flashback, when you find out that he did actually go to Vegan Academy, I'm just like, "What sort of universe is this?" Well, it's like Scott even says to Envy, "Like, I'm really sorry," and she's like, "Why? Because you ruined my evening, or that my bassist band player has exploded into coins?" <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I mean. The movie acknowledges these things and you go, yeah. I'm just going to carry on. Right. <laughs> At 12.27 a.m. on February 1st, you know only ingested gelato. Gelato isn't vegan. It's milk and eggs, bitch. On April 4th, 7.30 p.m., you partook a plate of chicken parmesan. <gasps> chicken isn't vegan? So then we do get the fight uh, between uh, Roxy Richter and technically Scott or technically Ramona um, because... You know, Scott is starting to get kind of annoyed that he's having to fight all of Ramona's exes. And Ramona's kind of getting a little bit upset that Scott is not the nice guy that she first thought he was. He is a bit of a dick. And this is what is pushing him to become one of her new exes because she's just going to dump him. Um, but then 
Roxy Richter turns up and he explains to us, like, like I can't hit a girl. And we'd already seen with Todd Ingram when he smacked the color or the highlights out of Knives' hair <laughs> that he's got no problem fighting girls. So Ramona has to step in and she has to face Roxy. She and kind of shadows uh, for him, doesn't doesn't he? Using his arms and legs. Well, yeah, but they had that first fight with the hammer and the belt. It's kind of like Soul Calibur with Ivory's whip sword. But you know, Roxy says to Ramona, like, you can't defeat me. Only Scott can defeat me. And so, yeah, so she has to use Scott's body to fight her. And it's just like, what's her weakness? Oh, behind the knees. It's like her G-spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're like, boop. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Okay. So she explains in a crescendo of <laughs> orgasmic points. <laughs> but no, I do. I mean, I'm gonna say it's it's one of my favourite bits of dialogue in the film. Yeah. Uh, where she, uh, where where uh, Ramona's just like, well, I was just curious, and she turns around and goes, well, I'm now by furious. <laughs> so just like, oh, the alliteration of the words is really really fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there was another line as well. Uh, where she calls her a, a hasbian. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, it's, just it, it's like just a play on words. It's just really funny. I love that bit where it's just like he's turning. Where I think it's Wallace. He turns to Scott and he goes, "Look, you're gonna have to use the L word. What lesbian?" lesbian. <laughs> he goes, "No, the other L word. What lesbians?" <laughs> so stupid. Do that again, and I will end you. Back off, hasbian. We get told as well that Gideon. Um, is a kind of an owner of a, a music company and he's bought this club he's found out the information from the other exes that ramona's up there so he's not only come to toronto to kind of win her back or buy her back or whatever uh but to kind of destroy scott's life as well and so they set up another battle of the bands between sex bomb and the katiyanaga twins and it's amp versus amp. And uh, uh, as Kim points out, there's not enough exclamation points on that poster. No, there really isn't. There isn't. <laughs> um, and I mean, this fight, I think, is like, even though I've seen some really weird fucked up shit in this movie. Like, I think this fight is the one that kind of pushes the boundaries of fantasy for me. Because, I mean, they're like, they're using magical powers through their music, through their amps to fight against each other. And it's like, ha, that's cool. But it's like... Is Scott defeating them, or is it his band that are supporting him that are beating them? It's a combined effort, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Now I do find it interesting that the uh, the all of the actors in the Sex Bomb band yeah. all had to go and learn how to play these instruments for real, nice, and how to and learn how to play together as a band. Apparently, Michael Cera was already pretty damn good on a bass, so he didn't oh, need to learn anything. Michael Cera is good at fucking uh, everything. But I, I do like the guy who's the the talent, the singer for the band. <laughs> yeah, uh, because he would go on. To uh, to well to co-star in the green room oh. with the band. Oh, see, while I was watching Scott Pilgrim, <laughs> I was thinking, man, I would love to see this band go up against Anton Yeltsin's band. <laughs> well, it's the same thing. <laughs> it's the same band, for um, But yeah, so Sex Bomb defeat the twins, and Scott is kind of destroyed by Gideon because not only does Gideon by sex bomb and scott is just like well we're not going to join and they're like look we've already signed and we've already replaced you with young neil because throughout the movie scott has been jumping out on rehearsals and young neil has been stepping in so now young neil is part of the band and even ramona kind of just goes off with gideon so scott is kind of upset but 
you know, decides, look, fuck this, I'm going for the final fight. And so I do really, really love this ending sequence of how it's kind of constructed. Because knowing, like, I didn't know it the first three or four times that I watched the film, but knowing this time when I was reviewing it that they'd rewritten their own ending yeah, for the movie. Like, he walks to the club and the guy's like, give me the password and he's like whatever and it's the right password because obviously we're a grunge club and we're meh, teenage angst and he gives the two other bodyguards another code and just walks into the club goes down there he confronts Gideon he can see sex bomb and not happy because they're just they've sold out you know they're not happy with what they're doing and he has to face Gideon in a fight um, and Gideon defeats him actually actually defeats him because you know you you think he's gonna win because they're going back and forth he even gets like the sword of true love pull out of his chest so that he can face gideon because he does truly love ramona um but while he's fighting gideon knives turns up to try and fight ramona and that is when the two of them come to the realization that scott had been cheating on them both well, technically, he cheated on Knives with Ramona because he never slept with Knives behind Ramona's back. Um, but it's now, at this point where he's distracted, he gets stabbed through the back. And you kind of have to remind yourself, like, it's a computer game fantasy world, so him dying is actually part of reality. Yeah. Yeah. Because when he, but, well, cause when he dies, he goes back to the desert, which he was lost in at the beginning when he first saw Ramona. And he's all alone again. Um, but he gets an extra life. Well, I, I did like that moment where he was like, it's time to get a life. And he just pulls it out of the air. And yeah. Says, off. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. So thankfully he did that just moments before he tragically dies. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, now this is uh, where he, he then comes back and he gets to relive the day again, almost. Right right from the, the, the boss level, level seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he walks all the way through. He punches everybody out. He fights everybody this time instead. Gets earning, all the bonuses. Earning yeah. all the points. Yeah. And then he's like, now I have the power of self-respect. Yeah. Which gives him even that. more stats. Yeah. And so he's actually able to eventually defeat Gideon. Yeah. And he even stops Knives uh, and Ramona from confronting each other again and basically says to them, look, you know, I was wrong. And it's kind of a really sweet moment because, I mean, him and Knives take on Gideon yeah. together. Um, kind of what they were like at the beginning of the movie when you saw them do their little dance combo thing. So you kind of get it that Knives is hurt but she kind of gets it that she was never meant to really be with Scott. Ramon is supposed to be with Scott. But I love the fact when Nega Scott turns up. <laughs> like, oh shit, it's real now. It's on. <laughs> yeah, it's on. No, because the two of them end up just being buddies because they've got so much in common. It's so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but you didn't need an extra, extra fight like, no. after the other fights. No. But it is reminiscent of the game homage of, you know, fighting your evil self at the end of the last level kind of thing. Kind of palette swap, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, that does then lead us to the end of the film where uh, Ramona's just like, right, uh, so, you know, I'm done now. I'm, I'm going to go and find myself. Yeah. Because clearly my fresh start here has failed miserably. Yeah, yeah. And I've only ended up hurting people. So I'm out. And Knives is just like, you know what, Scott? You know, I know we're not meant to be together. I'm going to kiss you on the cheek and then tell you to go get her. Yeah. And off he goes. He chases after Ramona and, you know, they go, okay, let's fresh start. And they go through the door to another world, another plane to 
to start over. Yeah. And uh, that is the ending that they chose theatrically. They did also film an alternate ending. Oh, right. Where Ramona goes, you know what? Goodbye. I'm off to find my other life. And she does. And Knives turns around and he goes, let's get back together and start over again. And Skull's like, okay then. And they go off and they, you see them dancing on the ninja mat again. Mm. Now, both endings have appeased certain people, it, depending on your perspective. For me, both of those endings, I think, are horribly rushed and wrong. They all should have gone their separate ways. In my interpretation, my experiences, they were all wrong for each other for many, many reasons. And I also really disliked the entire last seven minutes here where Scott Pilgrim is a douchebag asshole and I don't like him. Yeah. And, you know, he, he dies. And then when he comes back, he's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I was shit to you. I'm sorry I was shit to you. And, I, and, and I'm going to make things right. And I'm like, so he said he's a new person and he said he's sorry, but it's all... It's all talk and no show. Like, there's no actions. There's nothing that he does that makes us believe he's a new person. Well, And so it all feels very, very hollow. Yeah, but I think it's also taken into account everybody else as well. And I don't, I don't particularly like the ending of Ramona going off on her own and him getting with knives. Because for me, the, the story of Scott Pilgrim versus the world is him getting with Ramona. You know, him defeating the exes. And then getting the girl at the end, like like every like kind she's of a hero. prize. Yeah, well, yeah, she, yeah, she, she kind of, she kind of is a prize, you know, in game terms. That's that's the whole point, isn't it? You were always supposed to fight through the bad guys and get the princess at the end. What works for me with the ending is her walking away and leaving Scott. Her actually saying, like, look, you don't owe me anything. You you've defeated all my exes, you know, who were assholes and. Ramona as well kind of acknowledges that she kind of caused a lot of those problems because she was the ones that pushed them to that point. So she's like you said, yeah, she's wrong, but she's learned her lesson. Knives, Knives has learned her lesson that she's too cool for Scott. You know, she was always going to grow up. And was Scott ever going to grow up? I don't think so. So it was good that Knives actually turned around and said, look, you know what, Scott, I don't need you. I think she's better off with young Neil myself. It's, it's just that you have to make these interpretations. And the fact that, the, you know, that it is an easy excuse to go. This is video game fantasy land. Yeah. So it doesn't borrow from real reality. But, but for me, this film was is all is all glitter and, and special effects and the and comedy and fight scenes, which are all fantastic. Yet the the actual characters and the character progression or development or understanding of these characters just gets further and further pushed away from what they were making here. And so that but, is why I have this huge disconnect from the end of the film where it doesn't feel wholesome or, or, or satisfying. I, I, I don't know. For me, it does. It, like, it, it all feels self-contained. So once they go through that door and the film ends and, it, and the continue number come up, I'm like, yeah, I'm good for another three years until I have to watch Scott Pilgrim again because sure. it's just I don't have to overthink it oh what did Ramona and Scott do with the rest of their lives what did Knives do no I don't need to they're all self-contained game over trying to I'll tell you what films this one reminded me of right. some some good and some I don't ever want to go near again okay but it reminded me of Sucker Punch you know all style no substance. Uh, it That's was... your opinion your yeah, opinion yeah, on yeah, that no, your opinion I think Sucker Punch has got a lot no, yeah right. I think you're 
been lobotomized when you watch the film, Ian. But that's also just my opinion, so you don't have to listen to that either. But it also reminded me of Napoleon Dynamite, that awful, awful cringe humor. Which is another great movie. Okay, I'm seeing the uh, And Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. You know, it, this film is like a, a blend of all three of those movies. Uh, and those are the ones that this one absolutely reminded me of. Yeah, I will I will agree with that. Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind, I was thinking that while I was watching Scott Pilgrim, that, you know, if you take away all of the gaming references, um, you know, you would still have the weird, wacky world that kind of Jim Carrey is in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in a, in a, in, to another extent, I, I'll agree with you what you were saying with, like, Napoleon Dynamite, um, of, with the comedy in that. And... We always say comedy comes it's and incredibly goes. Incredibly subjective. It's incredibly subjective. Um, but from from somebody who loves all a lot of different styles of comedy, you know, like yes, Napoleon Dynamite and Scott Pilgrim are kind of on the same level, but they are completely two different because one kind of bases its comedy in kind of a reality, and the other one bases its comedy inside its own reality. Yeah. Kind yeah. Of thing. yeah. So weird. <laughs> well, Ian, what were your favourite or most memorable scenes from Scott Pilgrim? I had a couple. I love it every time when Kim goes, We are a sex bomb! One, two, three, four! And the music kicks in. Fucking love it. Like, <laughs> like that is an angry ginger-haired woman with drumsticks. Get out of her way or be the ground. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> I love the I love the moment where and I had such great like editing or film working or or whatever they did with the sequence but it's the moment where they hear the door and wallace opens the door and it's knives and she's like is scott here and he's like oh no scott just left and scott goes flying out the window <laughs> and then reaches in and grabs his jacket and goes it's just all these little weird things where knives is like oh and you just blatantly just watched him jump out the fucking window um, I love any of the fight sequences. I just think they were really well done. I mean, you know, Captain America sliding down a fucking grind rail and smashing into the floor. I mean, uh, Matthew Patel's at the beginning seems like the smallest, I suppose. They do, as they go through the movie, get bigger, badder, crazier as they go. So you might look at his and go, well, his hasn't got a lot going to it. But the fact that they're starting off like that and the fact that it's just going to get bigger and bigger. Yeah, it's great. Thomas Jane and Clifton Curtis Jr. as the vegan cops. I mean, I fucking just love it. Just how serious Thomas Jane is. And like, like I know people don't like the Predator, but he's one of the funniest moments in that. I think I really just like him. Of all the fucking Thomas Jane movies you could... Oh, I could bring up New Egg Chronicles. Yeah, that's a good one. No! <laughs> And the final fight sequence uh, with Gideon, like I said, the first walk through down uh, where you see all the little things, even the little bits of dialogue. You hear one of the guys talking about how the, this, the you know, he even says, it. I had the subtitles on. It was weird when he says it. It's like the first film's not as good as the first film as you watch it. And then when Scott comes through the second time, he goes, well, I don't think the film's as good as the comic book. But it's it's the same scenario, you know, and the band are there and they're upset. And they're like, Scott, leave us alone. We, we kind of like our lives. And Gideon's like, yeah, get out of here. And Scott's like, no, I want to fight you. I've got self-respect now. Woo! And yeah, it's great. <laughs> Uh, I've got quite a few uh, favourite of memorable scenes from the film. I really, really liked the demon hipster chicks. 
They were badass. Really? <laughs> I wonder why you like them. Uh, Lucas Lee was a hell of a lot of fun. Of course, Chris Evans brought a lot to that small role. Yeah. Uh, the Thomas Jane cameo, of course. Like, it, I want a spin-off movie now. Yeah, I would... That needs that needs a whole six seasons. Thomas Jane in everything, please. <laughs> Uh, the by furious and the hasbian like great great little moment yeah. um uh, other than the uh, the other one that you mentioned where uh, he says that she's he's just popped out you just <laughs> missed him yeah that that was great I, I mean he nailed that he was probably one of the funniest characters in the film yeah he was he was um knives getting our highlights punched out great moment <laughs> so that's great um I, I love the moment where knife sits down to young neil and she's like what do you play and he's just like, uh, that's like a Zelda and, and Tetris. Like, that's a big question. <laughs> and she's like, my instrument. But yeah, it was the way it was perceived. So yeah. Like, yeah, that was great. Yeah, lots, lots of really great moments. I'll tell you one thing that stuck out to me more than any particular scene was the entire filmmaking behind it, especially the editing. Yeah. Like the amounts of like the, uh, I mean the on-screen visuals as well also match the camera pans. You know, when, when there's phones ringing, you get the, yeah. the, the sounds. Yeah. Like when he's got a piss, he's got a piss bar. Oh yeah. You know, there's sequences like, like all the little details, like when Scott's just walking down the road and you know, there's seven X's around him. Yeah. In, in, like in the background, there's a scene where he's on the bus with Ramona and uh, some of the lights going past are X's, yet sometimes when he's talking, they're hearts. Ah. Yeah, it, there's so many little yes, details. Yes. Yeah, there's so many Easter eggs and references that it's literally, you know, uh, it needs to be mapped out and spreadsheeted. There are so many of them. Yeah. Uh, but the editing was spectacular in this. I mean, it is fast and frenetic. The you know you've got the wipes, the transitions, the uh, the jump cuts, the match the match cuts were fantastic. It just it made the film feel like it was going at a super long at a super quick pace for a two hour movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the way it was edited, like Scott would be you know he'd walk into the bathroom, then walk out into the school hallway, yes. only to wake up in bed. Yeah. Like, and and it's just so fast. Yeah. So in terms of the the filmmaking, the editing, it's absolutely a visual feast. Uh, but Ian, do you recommend Scott Pilgrim? I definitely recommend uh, Scott Pilgrim. I know that there's going to be some people who are going to be like, eh, there's nothing in this film for me. I don't think it's very good. And if that's the case, if you have not seen it and you don't think it's going to be good, then at least watch it. Then you'll know if there's anything in there for you. If you don't like comic books, video games, movie references, or am I missing anything? Girls, boys, music, life. So I don't, if you hate everything. Yeah, well, yeah, if you hate everything, there's not going to be anything in Scott Pilgrim you're going to like. But there is bound to be something. I personally think you should see it for Wallace because I think he is fucking funny all the way through the jokes that he has. Like that moment where like he's with Anna Kendrick's boyfriend and she turns her back and the next minute her boyfriend's making out with fucking Kieran Culkin. And the way she shouts like, again, like this has happened before. Yes, watch it. Watch Scott Pilgrim. So I got one other favorite scene actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Brie Larson. I had no idea that she could sing as well as she does. Like oh, she was born yeah. to sing that song in that film. Uh, it was great. But uh, to be honest, I'm uh, I'm very split with my recommendation for Scott Pilgrim Indeed. versus the World, and it primarily being the style over substance film with very weak character development and awfully portrayed romance and very unlikable characters. 
I am very fussy with comedy films and actually found the dialogue and jokes here worked very well. It's witty, fun and dumb in all the right ways and the entire film is brimming with personality. It has such a cool visual style that is very distinct while clearly homaging video games and comics along with music and sound effects. It's, it's pretty damn amazing to watch. Yeah. The editing is perfection here. The cutaways, the wipes and transitions keep you focused as the pace races along to the next musical number and fight sequence. It really is spectacular. The film is heavily layered with references to Nintendo games, music and films. It's got plenty to reward you with repeat viewings in this extremely well-directed film. The casting was great. Every character felt distinctly unique in stereotypical. Uh, they might be stereotypical, but the cast nailed their parts brilliantly. Yeah. As I've said, my biggest issue, the unsatisfying plot, the, incons the, the inconsiderate and selfish characters, mainly Scott, uh, who is whiny and then all of a sudden has a sudden change of realization that self-respect trumps love. And it, it, it's just not earned and it's rushed and it's forced. And... I had an immediate disdain for the story as a whole with that conclusion. Now, I still think that this is a great, fun film reaching cult status, but I just feel it's very unsatisfying, narratively speaking. And stuff. <laughs> and stuff. Thanks for watching Off This Shelf Reviews. Got here. Uh, you know what? He just left.